Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing. Be sure to subscribe on uh, your favorite podcast platform and like us on Facebook on It's a Long Beach Thing Facebook group. We have another great show for you today. We have my friend, Lita Richard. Lydia, how are you today? Hey, Paul, I'm good. How are you doing? Cool. I'm doing great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Let's do it. All right. So what's your association with this great city of Long Beach? Yeah, so Long Beach, actually, I'm originally from Maine. I'm originally from Westbrook, Maine. So as far east as you can get um, without touching Canada. And I, I moved to California, Southern California, about seven years ago. And it wasn't until four years ago that Long Beach uh, fell in my path and kind of stole my heart. And this is going to be probably, if not the place that I die in, it will definitely be a place that I own multiple properties in uh, when the time comes. So Long Beach has stolen my heart four years ago. And so now I'm just stuck here. Fantastic. So uh, four years ago, uh, you're on the other side of the coast. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know of Long Beach? How did that yeah. all come about? No, I really didn't know anything about California. Uh, seven years ago, I was barely 18. And um, so I didn't really know what I was doing. I was shooting from the hip and I just hopped in my car and bought my dog and drove as, as far west as possible. But I started out in L.A. Um, over in like the valley area. Um, but not having my own place yet, just couch hopping and kind of surfing that way. Got my first place over in Orange County and migrated more inland to Anaheim. And from there, I was like, you know what? When I came out here, I really love the Los Angeles vibe. But I I, I want to kind of stay somewhere close to this newer, the newer friends that I had just made. And so then all of a sudden, I started looking into Long Beach. And I had driven down here before for some reason. I think, I think maybe the only little little thing that I knew about Long Beach is something about Snoop Dogg or something, you know, <laughs> so really, yeah. realistically, I didn't, I had no uh, idea what beautiful place that it was and the types of people that it attracts. So um, it wasn't until that I came down here and I was just walking. I think my mother was up visiting from Maine and we just, we were just taking a walk and hit Long Beach. And I was like, you know what? I really like this place. And I like that it's the middle of OC and LA and it gives me this LA feel because I haven't lived in LA yet. I've been living in OC and I moved here because I fell in love with Los Angeles County. And I was like, this is perfect place right here is, is Long Beach, right? Smack dab in the middle. You don't have to deal with all the, the traveling or the traffic of Los Angeles downtown. And you still get the like cool, creative business, uh, diversified folk here. And that's, that's kind of what spoke to me. Uh, that's very brave of you. Seven years ago, you traveling at 18 years old uh, on the other side of the coast. What made you want to do that? Yeah, it's funny. I actually, um, I always knew that I was going to be leaving Maine um, just because it's too cold for me over there. And I just, I needed the sunshine. And I originally was in 
criminal justice. I was going to, I had a few college credits for criminal justice. Um, and I wanted to be a police officer in Chicago, oddly enough. I'm, and I'm glad that I didn't take that term, but I ended up coming down to California because it was far away from home, which I guess is what I was shooting for. And it was warm. Um, and that's pretty much it. And so I ended up coming out here and I embarked on real estate rather and entrepreneurship uh, and kind of left the criminal justice in the in the back back behind in the backdrop. So, well, that's crazy that you said you wanted to be a police officer in Chicago. Yeah, because Chicago is extremely cold. I've been yeah. to Chicago in the wintertime. Yeah. And with the wind off of Lake Michigan, I thought my rat, my bones were going to break because I, I was so cold. I know. Um, so I know. I, I, <laughs> did you go to Chicago and think, well, this is a beautiful place? Did you go in the summertime or in the springtime or something? And then you thought, I don't know. I guess I wasn't even thinking too hard about the weather. When I, I I wanted to move to Chicago because I wanted to deal with like like pretty intense crimes is what I thought. Oh, it was before I had a child and before I had my my baby. Obviously, I would just think differently now. But um, I just wanted to be. I didn't want to be arresting people for a, a tail light or not arrested, but I just I wanted to deal with real life crime. And I know that Chicago can pre- get pretty tough like that. And, and um, that was primarily my focus on why Chicago. I have gone to Chicago. Uh, and it is the windy city for a reason, uh, but I did go in the summertime, so it was nice. And it is a beautiful city, but Long Beach still tops it all day, every day. And that's just because it keeps that sunshine rocking and rolling. So, I was good. thinking when you were you were telling your story and you wanted to come to California, you you stood upon L.A. I was thinking, oh, she wants to get into acting, but you didn't never you that was not not your not your passion at all. You did not go to California at all for any type of acting, correct? Yeah, no, oddly enough, no. But if you would have asked, you know, seven-year-old Lydia, I that was the thing that I wanted to be, was an actress. And so it's funny, I find myself here, but I did used to take acting classes back in when I was a really little girl. Like, I used to do plays at the church and stuff. And so um, I, I didn't come out here to pursue any dream, uh, at all, brother. I really just came for the sunshine and to be far away. And although it is funny that I wanted to do acting, I didn't really go into it here. And I guess the closest thing I've got to that dream is my little YouTube channel. I get to act on and be myself. But other than that, I, I just came out here to just get a breath of fresh air and feel that vitamin C a little extra. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about that struggle, because you said you were uh, couch surfing. You didn't know anybody. You didn't have a job coming in, uh, you yeah. know, the survival yeah. had, a, had yeah. a kid kick in real quick. So absolutely. You afloat? Well, um, I am a woman of many trades. If you haven't picked that up on the few, few little uh, trades I've got on my belt thus far, but I, I've been working since I was 14. I started at McDonald's. So I made it all the way up the chain. Um, and from the time that once I left Maine, I had entered into the restaurant industry and I started, you know, um, I wasn't quite bartending yet, but I was a cocktail waitress and I kind of just migrated that over here. I stacked up a lot of coins. I got really into saving, which is kind of what I, I teach on my YouTube channel. Um, I just got really, I got really self-aware with my finances. And so I, I stacked a lot, but a lot to me was nothing compared to what a month's rent of, in California is. So it actually went very quickly, but um, so I, I stayed in my car. I looked, I actually remember when I first touched down, um, I went 
and looked for newspapers to look at jobs in the newspapers because I didn't really know about Indeed. I didn't really know anything at this moment. Um, but I basically stayed afloat by I got a job pretty quickly on after I started running through out my savings at a tanning salon, oddly enough. And then I also started working at a little coffee shop. Um, and from there, I about a year in of just working two jobs and couch surfing off Craigslist, who I met some interesting folk that way, but I stayed safe. Um, was I, um, I started massage therapy and I looked into scholarships actually with massage and I got fully scholared for uh, my massage therapy school. And I went to school and I ended up, um, getting my, my license and I kind of took off from there. And that's kind of what helped me set a better foundation with my actual trade of massage. I worked for a chiropractor for some time. And then COVID kind of put me out of that business, but I still do that here and there, but I don't care to work at a facility anymore. Mm. Okay. So, so you, so you got into massage therapy and yeah. at the time, what was your, your, your thought process there? Was that something that you were going to open up your own shop or? It was it my thought. Yes. I did think that I wanted to open up my own little spa um, or run a business. That's been a thing on my mind since the end of time, um, at least as far as I can remember, since I stopped thinking I wanted to be an actress was I wanted to be a business owner. And um, that, my, that was going to be my first execution was maybe opening up a spa. But I unfortunately just worked myself, I think, a little too hard on my 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 muscles and bones. And I realized, you know, I don't think that I personally, even though I could run people, I don't think that that's going to be my passion for the long haul. Um, and whether or not I want to open something that I'm not 120% like passionate about, that's, that's debatable. Um, not that I'm not passionate about massage and the benefits that it has and the healing and all of that, but me personally and the, the effect and wear and tear has on my body and whether or not I want to continue to pursue that in a job sense, um, with running all the numbers and thinking of all the things that I would have to accomplish with that type of business, I chose not to but yes originally that was my intention was to get my massage license and later on open up my own spa so you were working for for another spa at the time 2019 type yeah yeah so i i started working actually for a chiropractor um, which i liked that setting and then i ended up migrating i moved to long beach and so then i uh, left that area and i got a job at massage envy for a very short time and from there COVID, the pandemic kind of put us out of business. So I ended up walking the streets with my resume again and uh, passed it in on a lucky, lucky day, lucky time. And I got a job bartending with no bartending experience, uh, downtown Long Beach at Shannon's on Pine, which is a phenomenal place. And um, I have lots of good things to say about that place. And so it's been three going on four years now almost, right? Since the pandemic and I've been bartending there. And kind of just kicking butt. So amongst many other things, that's just my little side, my part-time gig. But yes, it's a great place. Right on. And and I think, isn't there like a uh, a secret uh, speakeasy underneath? Yes. Uh, like it's like a kind of a tiki bar type thing. Yeah, you're this. absolutely right. So that's why we call it Shannon's Corner because we have, um, we have a club at the top which is open on the weekends and then it's kind of like a cool little like mobster vibe just the way that the cloth of the couches that's the that's the energy it gives me and then we have shannon's on pine which is just your local little irish pub and then down below we have our secret island which is our tiki bar which actually just opened up maybe 
under two years ago. I think that's fairly new. And then next door, we have the Carberry, which is our nice, fancy steakhouse. So we kind of like dominate that Pine Street end right there, right across 7-Eleven. So all of that is is the same uh, fantastic man. Uh, he owns it all. And we just kind of run it on different days and different hours with different tenders. Okay, so so it's not an organization that owns uh, the Shannons. Nope. It's actually a, a family. A, a family. What's the name of the family? Uh, the Hodges. The Hodges. Do they own the one on Second Street, or is they that do own the one on Second Street as well? Yep. Okay. Is that is that the original, the one on Second Street? I believe so. Yep, the dive bar. Yeah. Okay. The one that's just a hole in the wall. They don't serve food, but they're still a great. They're a great. Uh, atmosphere to be around do you, do you have any background on the hodges on on how they started their their uh, you know i don't i do not i i i do think that they started with the second but i don't know much of their history on how they acquired their little empire that they've managed to run yeah because i i find that fascinating uh and you being in the in the business you can speak to this even more than i can but um there was a statistic and i believe it that nine out of 10 restaurant bars, whatever, um, close within the first two years of, of business. And I, I believe that to be true, yeah. especially being in Long Beach and seeing a different establishments opening up and, and unfortunately not making it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it had to do with COVID, but even, right. even not out of COVID, um, it's, it's a very, very tough industry to, to make a profit. There's a lot of moving parts as, as you know, yeah better than I do. Um, so I'm fascinated with, um, you know, the people that are able to, to, uh, to have a, uh, um, you know, an empire, so to speak, doing right. it. Right. Right. And actually have a successful business run for, for, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even in my own like research on running a business and, let alone the restaurant industry, just in general, I just hear like, you know, you don't, you don't do an entrepreneurship, you're not going to make much profit for the first few years. And you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things and really see the light at the end of the tunnel when you're being buried by all of the debt, because it's going to, it has to, it will, if you want it bad enough and you keep pushing and you, you figure it out strategically and, and you, you know, you lay it down, you'll get there, you know, by the grace of God. But like, you gotta, you gotta see that end result. You gotta see that that light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that people that start businesses and people like the Hodges family, you know, they probably had to have a pretty strong backbone, um, emotionally, let alone probably maybe even financially. But to be able to see where that whole empire would be built to, because they they do do some pretty amazing things, and they did just open that tiki bar fairly recently. So they're always on a roll with what comes next. Well, uh, you also brought up the point where you didn't have any bartending experience and um, bartending is I've never done it before, but I, I see people who do it and um, the people who do it well, there's an art to it. It, it is not an easy thing to do. Right. Uh, a lot of people start, you know, as, as you know, as a hostess, uh, you know, server and, yeah. then, and then work their way to bartender. Bartender generally is is one of the last stops you make because of, you know, all the stuff you need to know and you being on your feet and, and you know, high stress situation. So how did, were you able to land a bartending job with no experience? Yeah. So that, it's actually fairly unlikely. And I really got the luck of the draw, but I think um, a little bit mixed with my old school nature of walking the street with a paper resume and introducing myself as the individual I am with these paper resumes instead of electronically all the time. Um, I think a little bit of that and a little bit of just 
being a personable person, I, I just walked right in there and I immediately asked for the hiring manager and I'd like to speak to them. And just like I said, in the luck of the time, Ron Hodges was right there. He turned around, looked at me, told me he was the owner. I shook his hand. I said, well, hello there. And then he looked at my resume, saw that I had some experience at another Irish bar as a cocktail waitress. Um, and I, I let him know, like, you know, that I, I know a little bit, but um, drinking is not my forte anyway. So I don't know too much, but I'm a quick learner, I told him. And so from there, he he hired me right then and there. And um, luckily, Shannon's, we aren't, we don't have like a blender. We don't have too many crazy cocktails like the Carvery does. It's a much more um, higher class uh, cocktail list where we kind of just pour a lot of beers and Jack and Cokes. And we still have a pretty good uh, cocktail list, but I'm not, luckily I'm a pub gal and I think I'm a pub gal for a reason. And it's, uh, I don't, I can't do all the crazy art things. The only art I have is how I communicate with my patrons. Yeah, it's the only real skill and art I got. I'm not the one flipping a whole bunch of cool shit, but you have seen it and I have seen it. And there is a skill and an art to bartending for sure. Especially if you go down anywhere in, in California, Beverly Hills or Hollywood, I'm sure you'll see a bunch of that fancy stuff, even down here in downtown Long Beach. But Shannon is more of a, I'll pour you a stiff one and you can tell me all your problems, honey. <laughs> You know, um, you, you are a fairly young person, but you have you have such a uh, an older soul. I mean, you talked yeah. about like when you got here, looking at a newspaper. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's really young to know about a newspaper. I mean, I know. you barely even grew up with a newspaper, <laughs> and you're looking in a newspaper to find a job. So tell me, tell me a little bit of your upbringing. You must, you must have had a more uh, old school vibe kind of upbringing. Yeah, I suppose so. These are pretty like deep and loaded questions. I'll, I'll just skim the surface, I suppose. But I grew up, my mother's from Spain. I'm first generation American on my mother's side. My father was a military man. He's American, uh, mixed with a few other things over in the Europe, uh, European country. <clears throat> um, and so they divorced and it was just kind of uh, whatever, whatever. I did I did have a bit of a, a troubled uh, childhood. So I think that's kind of where the old soul comes in. Perhaps, you know, this is just like my 500th time around the sun. Who knows? But the mm -hmm. point being is life kind of ages you sometimes, even without the the days on the year. So well, you don't look. Uh, I'm, well, let, let me be clear. You do not look old. You do not. You definitely. Yeah, no, 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 I know. <laughs> but your personality, you, what, what, right. how you're talking. Right. Right. No, I got you. you Clear as day. I got you. Yeah. Thank you for that. No, yeah. I understand. That's what I mean. It's like, I think life sometimes just ages us, even without the days in the year, you know, just like experiences and stuff. But yeah, my upbringing, I was just wild. I grew up in, in Maine. Um, I, I have an older brother of eight years different. And so I was pretty much primarily an only child, but I still had him. But we were just such a big age gap that we, our friendship didn't really blossom until now. Um, and, uh, gosh, how could I even, I don't even know how to like, I, 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 I grew up fast. I had, didn't have many other options. And so I grew up fast. I wanted to get out of there and I wanted to do something with myself because the majority of society, uh, in my little neck of the woods thought that I couldn't do something with myself due to my track record of my troubled ways. And so here I am and I, and I, so I boogied out and I moved and I set up my own little foundation and now I'm trying to put the blocks up to build my own little empire here.
So what strength, what strength that you have and, and the th fact that you didn't let the naysayers um, dictate your, your, your future. I, I, I have a Facebook group and it's called rewrite your story. And I always talk about taking back your pen and right. writing a story for yourself, not for anybody else. I know you went to one of my, my workshops, but yes. I think that's the, I think that, that you're doing that. You, you've yeah. not given up your pen. Yeah. You are writing your own story and you're yeah. writing it the way you want it written. And you're not allowing people from the past take back that pen, so to speak, because you're right. writing what you want it to be. You're the author of your story and, and you're living proof of it. So kudos to you for that fact. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're absolutely right. Thanks. I, I would imagine um, you probably, what advice would you give your younger self, like yourself at 18, you know, going, okay, I got to get out. I got to, I got to leave. I got to go. What, what advice would you give yourself now knowing what you know now? Yeah, that's a good one. And I actually want to do a little uh, thing with myself where I write to my younger self and, you know, that inner child, so to speak, and let them know some things. But I think one thing that stuck with me as of recently that someone told me, and I'd probably tell this to my younger self, and it's just a saying, it's not some deep, uh, deep advice, because there's so much of it. But it would be when you're going through hell, you don't stop there. You know, and so I think I would tell that to my younger self. I think I would tell that to anybody in a struggle right now, because it's very easy to just, you know, want to give up in that moment and stuff. But that's the thing is like when you're if you're if you were physically driving through the depths of hell, you wouldn't just park your car in the flames. You would just keep going. So mm -hmm. it's just like um, and who knows what comes out when you keep going, you know? And so that's kind of ultimately the the other end of that is just like, okay, so if I don't stop in hell, if I keep going younger self, you know, what comes out on the outside and that keeps that little bit of hope even maybe of what can come out. And there's a lot of beautiful things that come out of dark days. I'm learning as I grow older and as I have my own daughter and have to bear witness to the world in a third person view again and just like see you know now i have to watch how the world is nice or mean to my daughter you know and that's that's gonna be a scary thing but uh at the end of the day when you're going through hell you don't stop there i like that and, and, and very very true and and also um even though that you might be going through a dark cloud it doesn't have to last forever Right. There's some choices that you can make to change that. I know it's not easy, but you can do it. You definitely can do it. If you if you have a mind to make a change, you can do it. Yeah. And um, I think that that's going to be great for your daughter because I, I know, you know, by, by just having this conversation with you, there's not going to be any limits you put on your daughter. You're going to let your daughter sky's the limit. She's going to be able to be the person she wants to be and you'll be there to support her. And I think that um, you're set up that way to do that. I think that's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's not easy. You know, you're doing this and we'll, we'll get in your real estate in a moment. I know you want to yeah. talk about that a little bit, but I mean, it's definitely not easy, you know, a, a, a single mom yeah. dealing with somebody got to pay the bills. You, you're, you continue to keep juggling and keep going forward. And, and there's a lot of, lot of strength in that a lot. And, and you're not doing it in a city that's cheap. You're right. doing it in, in, in Southern California, LA County, right. Long Beach, California, yeah. where you know rent and everything is is pretty expensive. 
and you're making it happen. So, so if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, as Frank Sinatra would say. <laughs> yeah, I do like that idea sometimes. But yes, you're absolutely right. And I and I think we as humans and humanities sometimes all got to give ourselves some credit. You know, absolutely. Like so, how do you balance that? How do you balance that with you know working at, at Shannon's at Pine, yeah. being a realtor, being a full time mom? How 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 do you how do you juggle all that? Uh, it's funny. I actually posted a, a little comedy comedic YouTube video on my little channel of how you balance it and how sometimes you don't. And so uh, the reality is that you can try, and I can try, and I try. It's very hard to balance it. I mean, I, if I could just turn you over here, I write. I have a whole schedule for myself. I have notes. I have paperwork. I have all of these things. I write goals every year. I have literally a whole thing. So I'm a very structured um, person, organizer. So when I'm trying to balance things, I try to balance it um, with time slots. And that's one thing that I'm trying to get better at. Cause that's just like a day print Monday through Sunday, what I want to focus on during that day. Uh, but I have to be better with, my time management. Um, and so that's something that I am working on. So again, how do I balance it? I try to delegate times and days to everything, but sometimes you can't. And sometimes your brain just like goes crazy and you lose your mind, but you have to keep cool, calm and collected and you do, and you get better and everything's fine. And then you go to sleep for the next day, you try to do it again and be better at, at navigating it all. But, um, any little free spare time I get, like I, I actually just took off. I was working a little bit more at the bar and I just took off a little bit of it and started nannying so I could be nannying my daughter along with another beautiful baby together in my home, meaning I have more quality time with my daughter, you know, so I just try to navigate. I'm trying to figure out the best way that I can build my empire and contribute to my daughter's generational wealth um, while not giving up the most valuable thing that I have with her, which is my time and presence with her. So um, as long as I'm organizing these slots and trying to manage my time better and setting days for specific things and not letting things knock that away, um, that's kind of all you can do and just kind of hope for the best. But again, it's not, 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 I don't think it's possible to balance it all. You know, the word that was coming up in my head when you were telling me that is, resourceful you are a very resourceful person and yeah. um, it, it's held you throughout your life it, you you had those challenges as a kid and it's prepared yeah. you to be a mom right now I think you yeah. know I, I you know like you don't have there's no excuses that you can give right I know you know like you said that you can't juggle every, and I, I'm glad that you said that because we're all human beings and we all fail and, and we right. pick ourselves up and, and I, I'm glad that you you said that because, you know, there's other people that won't admit that. And you did. And I think that there's strength in you saying that. Mm -hmm. um, but in reality, you know, as a single mom, you really can't fail. Right. You, you It's just you and your daughter. So, you know, whatever you do. Yeah. yeah, you might you might mess up or whatever. But like you said, you have to wake up the next morning and, and do it all over again. Yeah. So um, there's a there's a lot of strength to that. So, uh, you know, that 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 is tremendously awesome. So let me get. Let's transition a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about real estate because uh, you're you're now into into real estate. I know 
that's where you want it when it hit, hit you up your career. So talk to talk to me about how you got into that. Yeah. Okay. So um, as we know, today is November 8, 2023. So if we look back at this podcast, maybe a year from now, we'll know that we are in a bad place right now, per se, a rough space, a rough space uh, economically. So um, I'm a realtor. I just got into real estate about a little over a year ago, actually. And so I joined probably in one of like the second to worst times since 08. And um, just because of where the economy is and the housing market, um, we are in what's called a low, uh, a low, excuse me, a low, I'm wanting to say a low income, inventory? but it's low. Yes, excuse me. Thank you. Low inventory crisis. So basically, we have a few buyers, but nobody wants to move out of their re um they're wow my whole brain's losing it right now but when people refinance in covid to the three percent people uh don't want to move because not only are home prices incredibly high still right now but inflation um and the interest rates are what people are looking at as high even though if we look at it a decade ago it's fairly low but or not a decade ago but 20 20 years ago, interest rates used to be 15. So now we think eights are kind of high because of comparative to these 3% from COVID, but they're really realistically not, but it has us in this problem where nobody wants to move and leave the 3% interest rates that they refinanced back in COVID. So that makes it really challenging for lenders, realtors, um, and everyone in this field. Hence why I'm massaging, bartending, nannying, YouTubing, and doing a bunch of other things to survive. I and mean, I'm sure most of any realtor right now is. Um, so I did join or uh, on amongst the journey of real estate, primarily because I personally want to be an investor myself as well. And I strive to own multiple properties uh, across the states um and trying to run things that way and so this was a way for me to get in and learn the things that i need to learn to be able to pursue that um but then i also started getting more into it because i love i love people i love working with people specifically in in bartending and as well as massage therapy and you create this nice bond with people and you get to know them and you help them but i felt like with with bartending, I wasn't, although I was serving them something that was positive, I didn't feel that it was the best thing to serve them with. Not that it's not, not, not that alcohol is awful, but you know, it just, if you're having a rough day, I'd hate to like send you home and you feel rougher later on in the nighttime. And so I'm thinking like, what is something that I could do that I could use my people skills? I could use my business mind. I can use my authenticity and, and help society and something that's huge in their life and so i kind of thought all oh, real estate's also great for that as well as for being able to be a more manageable flexible time frame for my child so that's kind of how i got into it full circle was just my own desire of being an investor and having multiple properties and then also how could i take my personable uh people skills and my customer service in a way where i'm not serving poison per se to help you feel better but rather i'm helping you through a stressful time of your life or how to buy the biggest purchase of your life and making it not such a stressful thing and quite enjoyable and exciting and beneficial so that's kind of how i got into all that um 
but again, like I just mentioned, it's, it's, it is a tough market right now and I'm still plucking away and I'm farming is what we call it, where you kind of just drop your neighborhood. And I handed out two business cards today and I'm working with a few clients, but again, it is, it is tough and not fast moving right now. Yeah. Anytime I interview somebody in the real estate market within the last, um, year or two they talk about exactly what you're saying especially in southern california long beach area with the low inventory and interest rates going up and ha people having two and three percent rates and right. they don't want to lose them to go to a higher interest rate um so um, a question i like to ask all you real estate experts is is this what do you think that we can do to uh help that that issue solve that problem with the low inventory what, what what steps can we make to help that situation yeah so there's only like a few solutions in my head and this is all my personal opinion of course and so um obviously i i personally don't see and, and it's funny because you'll i'll go to my brokerage and all brokerages tend to be the same but they kind of just tell you these specific things and nobody really knows where the market's going or what's happening and you'll get like little glimpse of hope and then there'll be like the reality check and so i don't see interest rates going down anytime soon um i have heard from bees and birds and whatever that you know sometime by june next year that we may see them going down. The reality is, is that they're not going to go down to the threes again. Um, that's my personal opinion and smart uh, analyzation. But um, that's due to a, a global pandemic. We don't necessarily want them to go down that low again because it's not that great for the economy. But what will hopefully happen is either people will start to realize after being cabin fever in their home that they wanted to sell two years ago or last year, but now all of this craziness is happening and now they stayed stagnant in the home that they didn't want to sell because the interest rates, they'll come to accept and realize that these seven, eights, even 9% interest rates aren't that high and they will sell um, their home and that will bring more inventory on the market. And all of a sudden things can probably start fluctuating again into a more uh, ebb and flow of things. Um, or the recession, uh, I feel controversial saying this and taboo, but I'm just going to go for it. Say how you want to say it. It's all good. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the recession I think we're in right now, but it's going to get whatever way. Um, I think that that's going to have to hit and, and change everything again. And so then the home prices can go back down lower because I don't see the interest rates doing that. And so then people can start buying again. And the money can go back into it that way. But I don't think anything personally that we can do other than a waiting game um, and and hopefully come to realize or look up and do some research that these seven and eights aren't that high in comparison to 20 years ago. Like I had mentioned before 2000, um, we were at like a 15 percent interest rate once upon a time. Yeah, I, I want to push back on that a little bit because I know a lot of a lot of people say that you know the the rates aren't that high, and I've been in the industry, so so I understand what you're saying by that. But the the only pushback I can give to you is, um, you know, when you're living in Southern California, and you know this really well, just because you're paying rent and everything of that nature is, yeah, I mean historically maybe the rates were higher, but values of homes have never been this high. 
So right. yeah, you can say that the rates haven't been that high, but yeah, it was 15%, but 15%, the, 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 the home values were not even close to what they are today. So, You're not so wrong. from a, from a two to three to a, to yeah. a, to a seven, that, that, that is, that is, the pain on is, is is a new it, it it puts you way out of out of out of out of range of, of qualifying for the same home that you could have two years ago. It, it, so I I hear what you're saying historically you're right. they, they've been higher, but but yes, but yes, eight eight nine percent with with average homes in in Long Beach reaching close to a million dollars that that that's steep. That you're is right. that is steep, and it. And it, and it, unfortunately, it it puts out a lot of those first time home buyers mm -hmm. because um, the people that that can afford these homes are are people that have equity and can buy the home, you know, and, <laughs> and you know they only have to have a a, a loan balance of two to three hundred thousand as opposed to somebody coming in new where their loan balance is going to be close to a million dollars because right. they don't have much of a down payment to, to put down. So, so you're looking at people who are first time home buyers that are, they're going to, that are, are suffering. They have been suffering for a while as far as getting in. Um, and uh, you know, it used to be where, and it still is. I mean, and if I could t talk to a first home home buyer and I, and I'm sure you would say the same thing as, you know, it might take you two or three homes before you hit the, your dream home. You may want to start with, with a condo and maybe, maybe look at something uh, in a different area, build up the equity and kind of, kind of trade up and, and go that route. I think it's probably your, your best bet on, on getting the home that you want to do it. Anything is impossible. And I never want to tell anybody you can't do anything. Um, but it's, the strategy is definitely changed, and it, and, and 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 I and I feel like it's a bit harder right now. But we, anybody can crack the code. It might just take a little bit more 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 patience. Right. But I want to throw something out at at you, um, and I, I I ask a lot of people this that are in the real estate market. Um, you know, most most consumers, especially now, you know, at, we're coming out of the pandemic, COVID. You know, things are coming back to normal. But it's it's changed a lot of things as far as people who who didn't used to buy things online now buy things online even though they can go back to a store but they saw the convenience of buying things online as opposed to going to a store haven't gone back to the store um, so you're seeing a lot of a lot of retail um, buildings stay vacant uh, you see a lot of for lease uh, vacancies yep. retails retails. My thinking here is what if we rezone them and rebuilt them residential? Because you you know as well as I do in, in Long Beach, there's not too many places where you can build new. I mean, the right. land is pretty dear here in Long Beach. So the only thing you can do is 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 rezone some of these uh retail establishments that 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 stay vacant. So what do you think about doing something of that nature? I think that that is a, a good idea for the sense of the fact that we don't have enough like homes for the population and all that. But I do think that all of the apartments that have been being built, if we could make it a way that is more less of a luxury styled way to rezone these guys, because the homes that are being built in these apartments cost the same 
as a mortgage right now, almost, I feel like a lot of these luxury apartments uh, that are being built and all I, all I'm seeing are luxury apartments. Um, and I think we need to put more, if we were to do that, which I do think is a phenomenal idea, send a lot of where we're going in the direction of life is online um, to utilize these spaces and to, to bring more homes and, and things about. But I do think that we need to like really look at the economy and like, or, or and the people are the, our people, our fellow man and say like, how much, how much of our fellow man can afford all of these luxury apartments. And so that just leaving all the rest of everybody to have nothing they can afford. And it, and so if we were to do that, there I we would have to like, I think that there should be a, uh, what's it called when you sign a, a long paper, but, uh, and you get votes, but a petition, right? A petition, yeah, yeah, yeah. a petition to make it not a luxury apartment. I think that we need, we need more traditional regular incomes financially for California, of course, regular and everywhere is different, but affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know it's not so much turning all of these spaces especially in long beach i've seen a lot of them downtown long beach i live right here off of fourth and i've seen one down down the way that's luxury uh work off of pine they built another one up of luxury and i haven't been seeing anything else and those things are more expensive or the expense of a mortgage it's crazy and even a regular home right now if we're just talking about like the inflation and the craziness of all of what's going on in prices, just real quick is I just saw a one bedroom apartment listed for 2,300 bucks. Mm. And that's a regular non-luxury apartment. You know, yeah. it's just, it is, it is crazy, but I think that that's a very smart idea. And as long as we make it, so it's not all luxury apartments so that, you know, the rest of everybody can have a place to sleep. That's yeah. Fair, fair point. So what's the future look like, Lydia, for Lydia? Uh, I'm going on a tangent. The the future, the future looks bright, Paul. The future looks like I am going to plant the seeds of real estate. The economy is going to switch because there's no other way up to to go besides up. I'll be here to help and I'll be doing my thing and stacking my coins, investing in the stock market, investing in real estate, teaching what I teach on my YouTube channel, The Unconventional Professional. And um, kind of just keep the ball rolling that way and taking care of my little one. Absolutely. So if uh, people want to wor- work with you in the real estate market or want to watch your YouTube or want to come to Shannon's, um, yeah. how, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So you could actually contact me on LydiaRichard.com for all things real estate. Just L-Y-D-I-A Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D.com. Um, that will give you my information for my email, my phone number, and there's even like a home search and so forth and some little links. And then if you wanted to tune in with me on my YouTube channel, it is called The Unconventional Professional. And my name is Lydia Richard. So that's how, hopefully how you'll be able to find me there. All right. Well, before we end, uh, I'd like to end it with a fun question. Okay. Where are your favorite eats in the Long Beach area? Uh, 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 I am a foodie, but I I tend to be, I like soups. So I would say the top three, two of which are going to be soup, uh, Asian cuisine, and one will be just a regular traditional American style. I love one, two, three, pho. If you are into pho, it's a phenomenal place. Great. Where's that at? That's right on Third uh, Street, down okay. closer to downtown. Okay. Um, you know the cross Street. No, I don't off the top of my okay. head. It's right okay. there, okay. though. 
um, one, two, three, faux. So instead of the number four, it's faux. Mm -hmm. And then I also love Jonetsu Ramen, which is right here on fourth. Um, and that's that one's one of my favorite. And then if we're just not talking soups, then the socialist right here on fourth is also fantastic. It's great at night. It's great during the day. They have like American style tapas. They have a full bar, great cocktail list and just a grating dining experience. So those would be my top three. Yeah, the retro area off of 4th yeah. is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. The the 4th Friday of every month, they yes. have a uh, stroll and table walk. type thing, right? Yep, yep. 4th Friday of every month is the 4th Street Art Walk. And so you have vendors popping up all around. Um, I even vended my book. I'm, an, I'm a published author. I wrote a poetry book. So I, when I was pregnant, I used to be vending my little poetry book over there. Um, and they have a bunch of different artists, uh, cooks, and little things that kind of set up every month here. And we got farmers market literally a pebble throw away. So Long Beach really has got it all. Uh, retro row, I think I called it wrong, but I th I believe that area is called yeah, retro, retro row, row, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, what's the name of your poetry book? My poetry book is called Dark Pit of Passion. I have to actually call Amazon. It was on Amazon, and it's probably still there. I just have to figure it out. It's it's just a poetry book uh okay uh, and and they can get it on amazon anywhere else they, they get were it? about they were able to i'm trying to set it back up i have to call kindle um but if if i can get it back up on there they could get it from me personally which you could contact me through my email and my phone number which is on my website or uh amazon once i get it in, i have to call them oh <laughs> uh, no problem no problem. Lydia, it's been a pleasure talking with uh, you, getting to know you a little bit better. Sometimes when you yeah. do it through a podcast, you learn more about a person than if you were just to, to have coffee with them. So, yeah. so thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed today. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure, Paul. Right. It's been a long beach thing. Thank you for tuning into It's a Long Beach Thing. Please tune in next time for another great episode. Thank you and have a good rest of your day.